Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossack. It's been a great pleasure to welcome regular guests to our program, great advocate for public education in uh, in Australia, Trevor Cobble, who's the National Convener for Save Our Schools. Welcome back, Trevor. Oh, good morning, Henry. Now, Trevor, um, we were chatting off air. Do you notice overall, before we get on to um, the, the main topic of this chat, which is stop the stage three tax cuts for the rich, um, have you noticed a change in terms of um, the, the, the way education is being approached under the new uh, Labor government and our new minister, Jason Clare? No. <laughs> in a word? <laughs> well, um. I mean, I've yet to see a statement by him on on the future of public education. They have just been, they were silent before the election on where we were going, Mm. and he's hardly made a statement since. Now, behind the scenes, I hear that he, you know, he went to a public school. His mother, I think, was was a teacher in the public system, and he's got all the rhetoric about um, the achievements and uh, possibilities for public education. But Labor promised nothing before the election, and we haven't heard a word since. We has had so, a summit. Yeah, but nothing about education. <laughs> uh, yeah, you might like to continue that uh, line of thought. Well, um, at the moment, well, I, there's nothing else to say, Henry. Uh, they are they have been silent, and mm. we need to have a plan as to where we're going to get public education fully funded within the next five years. And at the moment, we don't have one. Which, which leads into the topic. Now, maybe, maybe there's something planned for the budget, but I'm to, to be honest, I'm not optimistic. Mm. There are so many pressures around on the government in terms of the, the fiscal crisis, in terms of the huge budget deficit and the tax cuts we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And... And there's a crisis in public education funding, as you know. Absolutely. We've talked about this many times. Um, and unless they have something to say in the budget, um, I don't know where we're going to go. Well, well, our minister has made much of the fact that he himself is a product of uh, the public education system and he, he, he espouses a great empathy for it. You, you you think that's just rhetoric? Well, I, I no, I'm not going to question his beliefs. Uh, I've got no basis for doing that. But in terms of the practical outcomes to further the the um, funding of public schools and reducing disadvantage uh, in in school in education, we have yet to hear a plan. Before we get into the stage three tax cuts for the rich, because it does segue into this, we'll go back to a topic which I know we've um, spoken about many times uh, on Viewpoints. Public schools are massively underfunded. Um, Gonski was supposed to address that. You might just like to recap where we are in light of um, what we can then talk about the the need for these uh, stage three tax cuts. Well, the Gonski funding plan that was... Um began to be implemented in uh, 2014, was it? Yes. Um, That the original report promised a way out of of the crisis in terms of funding and reducing inequity in education. It was undone by special deals for private schools. 
so much so that funding for private schools per student has increased three to four times that of public schools over the last eight years. So we are, we have got nowhere, not because Gonski failed, as some have been saying, and I noticed the press today, some, some people are saying it, it's failed, but it's, it hadn't failed because of conception, it failed because of governments, uh, the special deals that the Labor, the, the Rudd and Gillard governments put in for private schools, and then the uh, decimation of the scheme by the, the Abbott and Turnbull governments, and then the huge special deals that billions of dollars that the Morrison government has put into the private schools. So Gonks, governments have failed Gonski, and we now need a new plan to properly fund public schools to reduce inequity in education. There is an opportunity because the current funding arrangements are reviewed in 2023. Would that be correct? So there is an that's, opportunity... That's... That's that's right. Yes, um, the current funding agreements are another aspect of how um, I'm trying to search for the right word, but how public schools have been defrauded, because there's been no plan. There is no plan under those current arrangements to get schools funded, that is, public schools funded at a hundred percent of the schooling resource standard, which is the nationally agreed standard that of funding that schools should have. Uh, at present, public schools are funded at 87% across Australia of that schooling resource standard. Private schools are funded at 104% of the standard. That's terrible. And the cumulative underfunding of public schools, according to your research from 2022 to 2029, is, is quite a significant amount. You might like to uh, tell us about that. Yeah, it's of the order. The cumulative underfunding of public schools over that period is of the order of about fifty-five million billion dollars. It's hardly and, justifiable. And, and private schools are, are overfunded by about four to five billion over that period. Mm. So there's a great injustice in this in the funding system at present, and all this talk and there's more talk in the media today about how our standards are declining. Where our results are declining and we've been putting more more money into education. Well, all the money has been going into private schools and they're not delivering. Mm. Why do you think that's not being uh, presented in that manner? Um, I mean, it's almost a Dorothy Dixer, but why do you think that uh, has an implication that public schools are letting the system down? Because I think that's the clear... Uh, oh, yeah, that's the clear indication. Yeah, that's the way it's being presented. Um, but no one, no one is looking behind the, the, the figures. And no one is actually trying to look at the so-called decline in standards. Um, yes, our results have been declining. But when you look behind them, the biggest declines are in private schools. Now, this is not me. This is, this is research by the Australian Council of Educational Research. The biggest declines in our, our the international test results have been in private schools. Yet they're the ones who've been getting the money. So all you can say is, what are they doing with the money? Well, we know that they're going into gold-plated facilities. So, so in terms of that narrative being presented, um, 
wouldn't you think Labor, which is historically um, more empathetic to public education, or that's the perception, would be onto that, Trevor? Especially with people such as yourself and or other organisations making those points quite clear. Well, the the problem is that most of them, most of those Labor politicians, send their kids to private schools. Mm. Stop the stage three tax cuts for the rich. Um, there are many reasons, and they go beyond um, supporting uh, education. You mentioned healthcare, aged care, and NDIS. The stage three tax cuts were promised by the previous coalition government, and um, is the is the Albanese government uh, obligated to continue with them? In your opinion. No, there's no there's no obligation at all, uh, particularly when you're facing a fiscal deficit of, of billions of dollars, uh, and these and and these tax cuts are going to cost, what is it? Um, Two hundred and forty three billion over the next ten years. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. I mean, this is a huge drain on ta- on the ava- on the ava- on taxpayer fund on on tax taxation revenue available to deliver services such as public education, public health, um, the NDIS, aged care, all those all those areas are facing a funding crisis and yet we're delivering $243 billion in tax cuts over the next 10 years and of that, $150 million is going to the top 20% of income earners. The usual justification for these kinds of tax cuts is is that they flow on in terms of um, um, increased employment and economic growth. Well, there have been two recent comprehensive and sophisticated economic studies of tax cuts in OECD countries over the last... Well, 40 or 50 years, in terms of, and including Australia, and the conclusion of that study was they had, they've had no effect on, on reducing unemployment or improving economic growth. And the whole argument about trickle-down effects from tax cuts is a myth, and it's been, dis, been proven wrong by this major study that was published just in the last year. There was also another recent study which looked at tax cuts in Australia, New Zealand and Norway mm. and found, once again, found no impact in terms of reducing unemployment or improving or improving employment or improving economic growth. All the tax cuts do to the wealthy is increase inequality and deprive low-income earners of access to public services like education, health, aged care, disability services. Mm. Yes, and you you quote a report on the Government Services 2022, Trevor, which shows that nearly 30% of low socioeconomic status SES students don't complete Year 12 in 2021, and the most recent Closing the Gap report shows 34% of Indigenous adults aged 20 to 24 had not attained Year 12 or its equivalent in 2018-19. We're certainly not we're certainly not making any progress in that area, are we? No, no, not at all. No, no, we've made no impact for the last decade. We've still got high achievement gaps 
and a large proportion, too large a proportion of disadvantaged students not achieving um, minimum, what, what we would expect in terms of minimum standards of education, such as completing year 12 or a, a, an equivalent qualification. So the government's actually got plenty of money there, uh, potentially in the bank, to to address this uh, inequality of funding, which um, which is exacerbating the situation. That would be that would be the clear. Yeah, if you stop the tax cuts, you'd have a big source of money, not only to reduce the deficit, but to apply to key crucial public services, including education. So, so if the Albanese government, I mean, governments are all very political, um, what would they have to lose in terms of political capital if they were to stop the stage three tax cuts for the rich and what would they have to gain politically? Well, I, I'm, I'm staggered by their judgment. They seem to think that, yes, they'd be breaking a promise um, in the sense that they wouldn't, I mean, they said before the election, they wouldn't, they won't, won't um, get rid of the stage three tax cuts. And I might add that the Labor government waived these cuts, cuts through. They voted for them when the Morrison government put them through. Now, th they argue that, well, the, the, the parliament is, you know, they've been, they, they, the result of a parliamentary decision, we're not going to change it. Well, most people understand when circumstances change, when economic and fiscal circumstances change to the, to the um, extent they have, most people realise change, change of circumstances requires a change of policy. And I can't imagine that the large number of disadvantaged families, low-income earners, who are having their services depleted, are going to blame the government for breaking a promise to the rich. I mean, to me, it's a bizarre judgment. It, it certainly seems that. Um, another part of this in, in one of the pieces you've written about this, you say it is critical that the Commonwealth state bilateral funding agreements be renegotiated to ensure public schools are funded at 100% of their SRS. We know here in Victoria, for example, Trevor, and we've chatted about this before, um, with the ratios that uh, the states and the feds pay towards that, We've had so much argy-bargy that uh, Victoria still is one of the lower uh, public school-funded uh, sta uh, states in, in, in territory in the country because of this who, who should be paying to get it to 100%. What needs to happen? Well, it needs to be a... a, a well, first of all, the, the arbitrary... Um, limits or limits that the Turnbull government put on Commonwealth funding of public schools has, has to be broken. The Turnbull government implemented this arbitrary arrangement whereby the Commonwealth government would only fund public schools to 20% of the schooling resource mm. standard and the states would have to deliver the rest. Well, the agreement was the states would never even get near it because they only had to do 75% instead of 80. 
Now, under the original Gonski plan, the Commonwealth's role in funding public schools would have been of the order of around 25%, if I remember correctly, mm. but it was certainly more than 20%. Now, we have to have a, and, I, you know, I can't, I, I can't say what that what that amount should be, but the important thing is the Commonwealth Government has a critical role to play in ensuring uh, national equity in education. It has a, res a national responsibility to improve equity, and its role should be greater than 20%. Now, the the exact outcome is really a result of has to be a result of negotiations between the state governments and the Commonwealth. But clearly, the Turnbull limits um, have to be have to be revised. Mm. You, you also mention, and I think we 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 suffer this in Victoria. Um, the new agreement must also end the skullduggery in the current agreement that allows states to artificially boost their funding share. Um, <laughs> what do, what what's going on there? Well. Under, under the terms of those bilateral agreements, the, the states have only ever been required uh, it, to get to seven to fund seventy to fund public schools to seventy five percent of the schooling reserve standard, not even eighty. But there were special deals done in those agreements, whereby the state governments could include expenditure on other items such as school transport. Um, and capital funding that are not included in the measure of how the schooling resource standard is constructed. So they could add in other of their expenditures as if they were contributing to the schooling resource standard. And they could do that up to 4% of, of the SRS and there were other allowances for expenditure on regulatory functions, such as you know, registration, uh, curriculum authorities, and all that that stuff. So that actually allowed allows the state governments to actually reduce their actual commitment to less than seventy one percent of the SRS. So nine nine or more percentage points public schools are missing out, will miss out on on nine percentage points of the S at least nine percentage points of the SRS under the current agreements. I mean it's just a total bit of political manipulation to let the state governments off the hook and as well. And state governments have actually been primarily responsible for the slow increase and in some cases real cuts in expenditure on public schools, and they've been let off the hook. And the Victorian government is one of them. We're the education state, according to the number plates on my car. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Trevor, time's got away from us as always. I can, I can, I can sense, um, I can sense frustration. Uh, in your voice, um, do you do you what needs to happen in a, between now and that agreement? Who needs to stand up and stand up for public schools? Well, well, there is an opportunity because the national schools reform agreement is being a, a new one has to be put in place next year, and that will and that is the umbrella agreement um, that covers 
that that the com the Commonwealth state funding agreements come under. So there's going to be some big decisions made over the next year mm. uh, or less, and it's an opportunity that we have we all have to take, and that means that and I I mean parent organisations, uh, teacher organisations, principal principals organisations have to put their voice out there saying that the current situation is no good. We are letting down the vast majority of the population in terms of education outcomes and something has to be done. That's a good point. Trevor, time's got away from us as always and once again as a member of the public education system and so, having been so for many years, uh, I always applaud the, the great advocacy that you do and also the evidence-based research that backs uh, what you say. Uh, so thank you once again, and it won't be too long, I'm sure, before we have you back on the program. Okay, thank you, Henry. That was Trevor Cobbold, National Convener Save Our Schools, a wonderful public schools advocacy organisation, and one which I'm sure gets under the skin and that's probably a good thing of uh, many of our politicians on all sides of the political spectrum.